Insurance and Injury Law, show the number anytime, 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savan, and it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We always start with the week that was. We'll get into something very cool called the Injury Calculator in just a bit, but back for this week, give me a couple stories. John, I have a yeah, few, but before we start, uh, you know, this is a show about instructing people and educating them about their rights. Uh, if they're injured in an accident, uh, if they know somebody who's injured, if they're in long-term disability, but occasionally we like to have some fun here. So let me just tell you, and you, you, you may have actually read about this, right. there's a fun case, a legal case going on down south in the U.S. that I read about, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are aware of it, but I, I had to just, just mention it. It's just so great. Nothing to do with personal injury, nothing mm-hmm. to do with disability. It has to do with a murder, right, which is a very dark event, obviously. Right. But he, he, here's the headline. Wife charged with murder, parrot, possible star witness. Okay, I have to read this to you. This is fantastic. Oh, this sounds familiar. Yeah. It's a case that could come down to what the bird heard as a Michigan prosecutor decides if a parrot can be used as some type of witness in a murder case. Uh, So here's the excerpt. In a video taken several weeks after the murder, the couple's African gray parrot named Bud, who is now being cared for by family members, can be heard saying, don't effing shoot. That's amazing. The bird family members say uh, uh, that uh, he, he can be heard mimicking both Martin and Glenna as if they were arguing. So they actually think that these are the last words that the parrot heard uh, his master before, before he was shot. Exactly. Crazy, eh? The parrot did it. Nice. That's right. And that's a good lead up because in, on the show today, we're going to talk about uh, witnesses and witness statements. Uh, but, you know, for everyone out there, if you're injured in an accident uh, and, and, you know, there is a bird uh, that's in the car, perhaps you're carrying a parrot with you. Uh, who knows? Maybe this is going to set a precedent and you yeah. can use the, the parrot uh, as, as, as a witness. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's I, I just amazing. Just amazing. I mean, what's next? A goldfish? Good luck in Maybe not. Speak, yeah. right? Maybe a dog. Possibly. That's right. Okay, so let me let me uh, get to more serious things. Let's talk about a couple of uh, of cases that I was dealing with. So I had uh, a gentleman call me because his wife was in a car accident. She was sideswiped uh, as as a, as one of the lanes was ending, mm-hmm. uh, so they were merging, uh, and the police attended the scene. And didn't charge anyone because the stories conflicted as to how the accident happened. And that's very normal. It happens yep. quite a lot in the, the cases that I deal with. But apparently there was a witness. Uh, there was a witness to the accident. And uh, this gentleman who called me wanted to know if he should go and get a statement from that witness in case his wife's injuries don't get better and he needs to start a claim. Right. Uh, so so that's, that's, of course, very interesting because a lot of times we are in accidents, whether it's a slip and fall somewhere or a car accident or anything else that happens, you know, where unfortunately you get injured. And, and there are witnesses, there are bystanders. And, of course, the first thing you're thinking about is your injury and you're thinking about taking care of yourself. Uh, that's assuming you haven't lost consciousness, you know, that there's a lot of commotion, uh, panic. You know, and only later in hindsight, you're thinking, uh, you know, perhaps I should have, you know, gotten the information from this individual. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, it's common sense uh, to understand that, yes, if, if you're able to and you're thinking about it and, and there's a possibility for you to get contact info for a potential witness uh, to the accident, uh, assuming, of course, the witness is recounting the story as it happened in your favor, of course, you should be getting that. And that's very, very important. I'm dealing with a few cases right now, John, where the stories diverge, I mean, literally 180 degrees between the witnesses, right. uh, sorry, between the, the individuals in the case. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, in fact, let me tell you about a case that I had uh, a few years back where I had a lady who was crossing a sidewalk 
and uh, there was a car that was making a right-hand turn and struck her. Well, my lady, of course, said, listen, you know, he struck me. He came out of nowhere, and uh, he hit me, and I fell down. These are the injuries. Sure. And, and everything, you know, the, the, the injuries sort of corroborated it, just in terms of the mechanism and the injury and where she was struck, etc. But the driver of the vehicle said, no, no, I saw her. In fact, I stopped. I, st- I stopped. And, and it, she was very upset because I stopped very close to her. And, 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 you know, she actually came to me and started banging on the car. And, you know, I mean, it's completely black and white. I mean, you know, his story is black, her story is white or vice versa. I mean, how do you decide who's telling the truth? And sometimes you do have uh, certain uh, uh, indicators that will tell you who is telling the truth, right? You're going to see that if there's damage on, on the hood, you're going to see if, in fact, she has significant bruising on her. And in that case, of course, we did. So his story was not believed. Yeah, for sure. But what happens if you do have a case where you just don't know who to believe? Both people are credible. Exactly. Witnesses can make or break a case. Now, of course, there's a, the question is to the witness. Some witnesses are better or higher value, so to speak, quote unquote, than other witnesses. If you are involved in a two-car collision, right? So I'm making a left-hand turn, John, and you're coming the other way. Uh, and you're saying that, uh, you know, my light turned red and I'm saying, no, your light was red, etc. Well, who's going to be believed here? Well, let's say that my wife is in the car with me and she's a witness. Well, she has an interest, right, essentially, yeah. in seeing that, uh, that, that, you know, I succeed with my case. So it's not, it's not that her, her testimony is, go- is, is not going to be believed, but the fact that she's my wife... Uh, means that that's going to be taken into account as opposed yep. to an, you know, a, a pedestrian who doesn't know either of us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, th- the question then becomes, well, okay, does it make sense to even say that I have a witness if the police never interviewed that witness? Yes, the answer is yes. So you know, the, the important thing to understand here is that witnesses play a crucial role uh, in a lot of these cases. If you're able to get that witness information or if you can get someone that's with you at the time of the accident to get that witness information, just like I say that you should always take photographs, mm-hmm. take photographs of you know where you fell, take photographs if there was a car accident, of the damage, uh, where the cars are positioned, etc. Uh, if you can... If you're able to get witness information, get it, because that may make or break a case. I I can't emphasize that enough. Extremely, extremely uh, uh, important. We'll take a a quick break. Lots more to go here. We'll continue with the week that was. We'll get into the injury calculator. If you're not familiar with this little tool, it's uh, pretty amazing. The number in the meantime, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here. Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910, 416-216-5910, Savan's direct number, the email as well, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We continue with the week that was. you got another case to throw across the, uh, the airways here. Yeah, this is about long-term disability, and it's an issue that we've talked about before, but mm-hmm. I think there is, again, a misconception about appeals. So you're on long-term disability, or you know someone on long-term disability, and that person was denied the claim, or that person was cut off from long-term disability. It happens all the time. Happens all the time. I had this lady who emailed me, uh, and, and her question was very simple. Uh, does, do I have to appeal the denial before I start a claim? Because she heard me talk about starting claims, right. Yep. right? So she heard me say that appeals are for the most part useless. But the question is, 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 is yeah, but yeah. the question is, is, is it, okay, it's useless, but, you know, is, is it a precondition? Do I have to engage the appeal process before I come to you? Right. No, the answer is absolutely not. In fact, if you engage the appeal process, you're just going to be delaying the process for just a lot longer than it needs to be delayed. 
right? Because the appeal mm-hmm. process can take weeks, can take months. And then there's a secondary level of appeal oftentimes. So no, if you are denied long-term disability or you've been cut off and you believe that it was done wrongly, if your doctors are saying that you're still unable to go back to work, uh, no, you don't do not appeal. I mean, it's it's. I mean, do whatever you want, but I'm telling you that oftentimes it's a detour. It's a detour to the final destination. You think you're going to be able to persuade them, and maybe you will. Listen, I'm not saying in every case these appeals don't work, but in my experience, 99.9% of the times these right. appeals get you nowhere. Right. They simply uh, uh, delay the inevitable, which is you coming to me afterwards saying, "Okay, now what do I do?" And of course, by that point, months have passed. You haven't paid your mortgage in God knows how long. You know, you haven't paid this, you haven't paid that because you have no money. Nothing's coming in. Uh, and, and so, again, if you've been denied long-term disability or you've been cut off, but you can't work uh, and you have that coverage and there's the, you know, the insurance company says, we just don't believe that your injuries are significant enough uh, or we don't have enough medical documentation or whatever the excuse is, mm-hmm. don't wait. Just pick up the phone or even email me. Oftentimes people email me, John. I, I, I ask them only a few brief questions via email. Not, everybody, not, not everyone feels comfortable talking on the phone. So I'll email them, you know, what's, what's the nature of your disability? Can you send me the denial letter or the cutoff letter? I want to see what the insurance companies yep. are. What's their excuse? That's what I called. Not a reason. And what's your excuse, insurance company, for denying this person disability gotcha. payments? Uh, and, and then I usually ask, listen, if you have any medical support... Most of the time they do. Uh, Individuals who contact me, they have a letter from their family doctor, a letter from their specialist, whatever. Send that to me. Let me see what it is that your doctors have said. Let me see what the insurance company saw. And uh, I'll evaluate that. And I'll tell you very quickly if I think that you have a case or not. And if you don't have a case, I'll tell you. You don't have a case. Injury calculator. I'll tell you if you do. Let's do that. All right. So this is an online tool that we created. It's an anonymous uh, tool, very quick and efficient. And uh, you would use it if you were injured in any form of accident where someone else is at fault. Mm-hmm. Car accident, slip and fall, yep. you know, somebody's dog bit you and took a chunk out. Uh, yeah, in any situation where you were injured or somebody else is at fault in Ontario, you go onto this uh, online tool and you input a few key pieces of information. None of these pieces of information involve your name or your email. So you're not identifying yourself. All you're doing is you're saying, here's my injury, right? A back injury brain injury, a knee tear, whatever the injury is. And it basically asks you, where did the accident happen? Just, you know, what city, how old are you? Um, Has this uh, injury affected your ability to work? Again, takes you about 20, 25 seconds max to to literally put that information down there. Uh, And and, and these are click menus. You're just clicking the options. You're not typing anything in uh, or for the most part. Yeah, um, simple. It's, it's a very, very simple. And at the end, what it does is it tells you, it, it goes through a whole bunch, a, a, a database of, of cases across the country, and it tells you how much uh, compensation you are potentially owed for your injury. And again, we talked about that before. That's only for pain and suffering. Which is usually a small part. Which is well, usually a... Well, it, it can be a good chunk of change. But relatively not, you know, speaking, a yeah. small part. You can have an ankle injury, right? A fracture, uh, required surgery with, with uh, uh, metal hardware that you got put in there. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're entitled to forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for that. But maybe because of that, you can't go back to that job where you were earning $50,000 a year. Right. Maybe now you got to take a job where you're only making 40000 and you're only 50 years old, so you got 15 years, potentially even more, uh, of making 10 grand a year less than what you could have earned, but for this incident. Right. So just do the math: 150 grand. 
just for the income loss, yep. let alone uh, any other types of expenses you may incur, right? You may need Someone assistive to devices. Or whatever, you got or it. Stuff inside your home. It's exactly yeah. it. But the, the cool thing about this tool is that this is something that, you know, when somebody's injured and they go to a, to a lawyer or a paralegal, they say, listen, I want to know if it's worth it for me to start the process. What can I expect to recover? What's owed to me under the law for compensation? And many lawyers are very hesitant to give a number. I'm not hesitant at all. I'm telling you, here's a database that we compiled, my team and I, from across Canada, where judges have evaluated cases like yours, if you're out there and you're injured, by you inputting a few pieces of information, there's an algorithm in that, uh, on that website uh, that goes through the cases and literally gives you a range, a range of compensation you could uh, be looking at. Because you get launching claim. point, right? To think of what you're Absolutely. possibly could be getting. Yeah, people right? want to know, are we talking about two grand or are we talking about $100,000? What yeah. are we looking at? Yeah. Very, very important and very useful. And again, I mean, and if you want to contact me afterwards, there's a button at the end that says, okay, you, you want to get a, 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 a more in-depth consultation about other aspects of your claim. You don't have to. You can simply close the browser, I'll never know you were there because you're many, not putting any information in there. I wonder how many insurance adjusters have kind of, you know, turned their computer the other way in the office and gone in there. Okay, what are we looking at I can, here? I can, I can tell you, right. I don't know how many, but I can tell you that there have been insurance adjusters that have been using I'm it sure because they've told me that because I still keep in touch. Remember, I used to be a defense lawyer. I yep. still keep in touch with many of these adjusters. And I can tell you that they use it. In fact, they have it open on their screen when they're at work <laughs> because great. they're evaluating claims, right? For sure. Uh, and, and, you know, at the end of the day... <laughs> There's no magic to it. It's yep. just that the public at large would A lot of work in the back this. end, right? A lot of work. We had yep. to go through legal databases. We had to compile the database to create yep. the, the charts, the forms. And so when you're entering the various pieces of information, you know, I have, I have a knee injury. Okay, well, how significant is that knee injury? Is it a tear? Is it a fracture? Mm-hmm. Is it just, you know, swelling? Is it just soft tissue? What is it? Uh, and by you inputting that information without your name, without your number... You get a result at the nice. end that tells you, as you said, the launching point. Here's what I'm, I'm potentially looking at for compensation. You want to check it out? Very simple, www.injurycalculator.ca. Lots more of the show coming up. We'll get your emails as soon as we come back. You want to send one, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And any time outside of show hours, of course, you want to get a hold of Savannah. Simple, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. Yeah, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number is simple, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Get to an email right now, or to Savannah for this one. Sonia from Ajax writes in, says, I was in a car accident over two years ago. Uh-oh. Oh, started a claim against a driver that hit me. I've been doing a little better over the last few months, and a friend of mine invited me to an all-inclusive vacation. Hey, now. Uh, my doctor thinks this vacation could help me, but I want to know if going on vacation will affect my claim. I asked my lawyer, but he didn't give me a straight answer. What do you think? I guess she's worried about, oh, well, you're not injured. You're uh, sipping pina coladas on a beach chair. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and and uh, it's a good question because you certainly have those uh, situations happen all the time. Maybe uh, you're injured tomorrow in a car accident, uh, but you know three months from now you're supposed to go uh, to Mexico. You know you can for sit a week. On a what plane, do you do? You can sit on a chair. Well, exactly. Yeah. You're in pain, right. but but you can still go. You don't want to ruin it for your family. What do you do? Right. So this is interesting because this is an issue that arises a lot, and and um, th- th- there are really various ways of looking at it. One way to look at it is. Uh, look, you're not doing anything wrong by going. I mean, you're entitled to go. The fact that you're going doesn't mean you're not injured. I mean, that's clear. Uh, That said, you know, imagine if you go, imagine if there are a lot of photographs and videos being taken of you uh, there having fun. It's perception. How does that look to the insurance company? You know, who's going to, is somebody going to post this on Facebook? Is is that going to be just all over the place on social media? So what I tell my clients is what I usually tell them about absolutely everything, which is live your life. 
Live your, if you're going, go. Understand the potential ramifications. If the insurance company gets a hold of this and they're aware of it, they will use it against you. They will simply say, look, clearly you're, good, you're, you're well enough to go on a vacation. You should be well enough to go to work. That's faulty reasoning. I, I understand the perception right. aspect. It's faulty reasoning uh, simply because, uh, you know, going and being on a beach for, for uh, a few hours a day does not equate to going back, uh, you know, to the factory or to you a desk job to get away eight hours work. a day. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. But that said, I, I understand the perception it creates. So my advice to people is live your life. Understand uh, that you have options here. One option is not to do it. One option is to do it. I'm not going to tell you to do it or not to do it. I know that there are lawyers out there who will tell you do not do it. Um, do not take that risk. I, I, I don't know that that's appropriate. I think, you know, when I've had situations where I've had the insurance companies question my client's injuries on the basis of a vacation uh, that my client has gone to, I've never seen that stick, to be honest with you. They've always dropped that argument down the road through the claims process because really? they understand yeah. that at the end of the day, if you ha- you're having back pain, that doesn't mean that you can't lie on a beach. It's just, it doesn't. I understand it doesn't look good, you know, yeah, from optics, common sense, right? optics. Yeah. But, but you know, so Sonia, my advice to you is, you know, go. By the way, uh, in, in, in your case, you're saying your doctor uh, thinks that this vacation could help you. Get that in writing. So <laughs> that'd be amazing if you can get that in writing. But, but you know, even more so, that's even, even a better argument here that, you know what, that's actually a way to mitigate, yeah. right? I've had people who have gone to the Dead Sea in Israel because it has uh, therapeutic qualities. That's, that's often advertised. And, uh, you know, or, or to other places in the world. And I tell people, listen, if you believe it's going to help you, go. Go, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, your health trumps everything. We will deal with the legalities, okay? Don't... don't don't live your life for the case. Right. Okay? The case is going to happen. The case is going to progress. I'm going to explain to you the ramifications, what's going to happen every step of the way, if you do this, if you do that. But, but don't feel that you, know, you, uh, you know, can't get out of the house. No, go. I have the same thing happening, uh, John, with people saying, you know, my physiotherapist told me I should go to the gym and here is the routine I should be doing. But I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned that if I go, their insurance company is going to find out that I'm doing X, Y, and Z, maybe they have somebody following me uh, that, uh, that, you know, they're just going to take the position that I'm not entitled to anything because clearly I can go to the gym. And I say, no, that's complete nonsense. You're going to the gym. You're not lifting, you're not becoming Mr. Olympia. Right. You're going to get better. It's, it's a th- you know, Go to any uh, clinic out there, a physiotherapy clinic, yeah. an OT clinic, and you're going to find uh, devices and, and weight machines. Yeah, universal setups. Yeah, because yeah. Those, those are used to, to, to help people, yeah. right? So there's no reason for you not to go to the gym, especially if it's yeah. being recommended to you and you think it's going to help you. Would you also say for something like this, is, I know as, as tempting as it is with people now in 2016, if you go on a vacation, just try to, as you did 15 years ago, just stay off social media. Don't put, want to take personal pictures is one thing, but don't slap stuff all over Facebook and Twitter. I am, Resist I'm, the temptation. I completely agree with that. A hundred percent. A hundred. You're not being sneaky. You're just, you're just, not. It's, you're helping yourself. You're right? not. And in, in a way, you know, somebody can say uh, out there who's listening and say, oh, Sivan, you're being hypocritical. You said live your life. Well, me being on social media is me living my mm-hmm. life. Yes and no. There's one thing about, uh, it, it's, it's one thing to say I'm going to go and enjoy myself and try and get better by relaxing. It's another thing to flaunt it. And, 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 and by flaunting it, uh, you, you know, insurance companies are going to get a hold of it and they're just going to take a hard line position because that's what they do. Yeah, you lose a lot of your life insurance. before Mark Zuckerberg. 
right? You know exactly. what I mean? Uh, yeah, so I know. Stay what you on mean. social media if you can. You got right? it. Exactly. Okay. We'll take a, a quick break. Lots of more emails to go. And you mentioned perception, so we'll talk about how to deal with that and uh, you know navigate that minefield when we come back. In the meantime, the number is four one six two one six fifty nine ten, and the email address is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio AM six forty. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You can also go to anytime you want, uh, injurycalculator.ca. Get a ballpark uh, number of what your injury may be worth. It's very simple to input the information. You want to send uh, that off to Savannah afterwards, get a contact. You can do that as well. So let's talk about perception. You touched on this yesterday, or not yesterday, but last segment rather, uh, with things that you do on social media, taking vacations, going to the gym, otherwise, if it's even told to, uh, by your doctor, but the perception is that the insurance company say, "Oh, look, the guy's working out; right. he's not bad." So, how do you uh, how do you battle against that as a lawyer, as someone's personal injury lawyer? Right. So, so perception is is really important, and oftentimes people lose sight of it. And frankly, a lot of lawyers lose sight of it. And you know, there are two aspects of perception uh, that I identify in in personal injury and disability cases. Uh, the first aspect is the actual client, the person who is injured and disabled. And I'll talk about that in a second. But the second uh, perception is the perception of your lawyer and the perception of, of your law office. Uh, I'll just talk about that quickly first, just because I had a case that happened to me earlier this week. I'm not going to give particulars because it's, a, it's an ongoing case. But I, I can tell you that if you have a lawyer uh, or, or a firm that's representing you and there is a perception in the insurance industry that that lawyer or law firm uh, just takes on every case that comes their way from the street. They simply work on volume. Right. They don't invest in their claims. They don't respond quickly to uh, the defense lawyers, to the insurance companies. You know, they don't do what they have to do in order to maximize the compensation that the person's owed. The word's going to get around. The perception is going to be that, well, you know, 90% of the cases that this firm handles or that lawyer handles are, are low-value, quote-unquote, cases. So therefore, your case is going to be low-value, or at the very least, we think we're going to get, uh, we're going to be able to settle it for 50 cents on the dollar. So so one level of perception people should be aware of is to choose the right lawyer, choose the right law firm, because that in itself, irrespective of you and your injury in the case, that could dictate to an extent the value of the compensation yeah. you're going to receive. Very, very important. So let's talk about the first uh, um, aspect of perception, Um, your case and you. Well, look, ultimately, if the insurance company doesn't believe that you are injured or disabled, they are not going to pay. They're going to potentially instruct their lawyers to uh, resist the claim, to just resist it altogether, to pay literally zero. And, And so then the question becomes, well, how do you make them believe you? How? I mean, what's the magic here? And so let me talk from the perspective of someone who used to work for insurance companies. Mm-hmm. What would make me, what would convince me back then to tell my adjuster client that we should be paying X, Y, and Z on a particular claim? Well, first of all, I would want to see all the medical documentation that I've asked for. If you were injured yesterday, I want to see medical documents. I want to see, for example, your family doctor's records going back a few years. I mean, I'm entitled to that. I want to make sure that the injury you're saying you suffered in this accident you didn't suffer that before this accident, right? right? I, I want to, you know, I don't know you. I have no idea if the injuries you're claiming happened from this incident really happened because of this incident. Yeah. Uh, so medical documentation, crucial, absolutely crucial. And oftentimes, uh, you know, people resist that. They have this uh, idea that, well, hold on for a second. This is private. This, this is my information. Peeking into my life. Exactly. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, you, you made the claim. Because you made the claim, because you're saying you're injured, the insurance company has the right to test that. One of the ways to test it, 
and they have that legal right is to ask for medical documentation. They can't ask it, you know, 20, 30 years back, right? There is a reasonable NASA aspect. It's just not relevant, but they can ask it for a few years back. And of course, they'll ask it uh, to date, right? The accident happened two years ago. They'll want to see recent medical documents. They will want to see if, you know, if you're telling them that, you know, your, your back pain only worsened for the last two years, they want to take a look at the various medical records to see if those correspond to right. what you're saying. Right. Because if your doctor has said last week in a note in, in the hospital, in the, in the doctor's file, uh, that you seem to be doing 50% better, but you told the, the insurance company that uh, you know, you're, you're uh, 50% worse than you were two years ago, there is a discrepancy, they're going to exploit that. So, you know, perception is everything. Credibility is everything. Mm-hmm. Even if you suffered an objective injury, a fracture, right? You broke your hand. Credibility is going to be at, at issue here in terms of, well, okay, that happened to you two years ago, a year ago, five months ago. Where are you today? And, and you know, there's ways for insurance companies to gauge whether or not somebody's telling the truth or not. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I used to uh, question as a defense lawyer injured individuals, I would ask them to list all the injuries that they suffered from this accident, from head to toe. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes you, you injure various parts of your body. You may injure your neck, your back, your knee, whatever. Yep. And then after I would get that list, uh, I would say, okay, well, tell me how you were, you know, rate that injury, that, that the pain from zero to 10, 10 being the most painful, right after the accident. And then I would take them, you know, six months later, rate that pain. A year later, you know, what about today? And whenever I would get someone who consistently said that every injury they suffered is so much worse today, two years later than it was two years ago, right. simply doesn't make sense. The body heals itself. Maybe some injuries did not heal as they should. Maybe, you know, uh, your arm is better, but your back is worse. I understand that. But if you're now telling me that every injury you suffered is infinitely worse, you're just trying to maximize what you got it. Exactly. And again, perception, that would make me, you know, take a very hardline position and tell my insurance adjuster client to take a very hardline position. So again, very, very important. Uh, don't be confrontational with the insurance company. If you are being asked questions, just provide the information. That's something that I see quite often as well. Uh, you know, you got to make sure that you cooperate with them because they're in the business, not only of saving money, as I always say, but they're in the business of collecting information and analyzing it. Uh, so, so that's, you know, those are key aspects. I mean, I can go about this issue for a full show, but it's really important to understand that once you make a claim, you're saying that, you know, now you can't uh, work the way you did before. You're going to be asked for... It's going to be investigated. Yeah, of you're, you're, going to be, you're going to have to provide some documentation to support that. You're saying you're making less money. Okay, well, show us your tax returns. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. The insurance company is not going to go and put those tax returns on, on Google. I mean, yeah. you know, they just want to evaluate. They want to make sure that if you're asking them to pay for something, that it's valid, that it's because of the incident that happened. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. It's a business, yeah. And, and you know, if you were on the other side, if you, were, if you owned that insurance company, John, you would want the exact same thing. Yeah, you would you say, would. listen, pr- just prove it to me. Prove it to me. And, More and emails. It's, 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 it's all perception. More emails coming up after a short break. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address. The number anytime, by the way, 416-216-5910. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. The number to get hold of Savan, very simple, 416-216-5910. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. That's the email. Get one from Brent. Uh, emails from Newmarket says, I've had cancer for a year and got chemo and radiation. I've been in and out of hospital and finally, I'm in remission, but I'm still very weak. My oncologist says 
that I can't go to work yet, but my long-term disability insurance company adjuster says they want me to try to go back. You've talked about mitigation and trying to go back, but should I do it even if I don't feel ready? No. That's it. That's it. If your oncologist, and I see this a lot as well, unfortunately, with uh, with uh, cancer patients, people in remission, not just cancer, really, any any disease, uh, disease and a lot of times, uh, you know, diseases and illnesses are not necessarily fatal, but they leave you in a state where the recovery time sure. is just prolonged and it takes a long time. Even if you are in remission, you're very weak. Uh, listen, if your doctor is saying you are not ready to go back, if your body's telling you you're not ready to go back, that's it. That's it. You're now ready to go back. I don't care what the insurance company says. I, I just, I don't care. And and Brent, I'll, I'll tell you something else. Uh, I'm just going to um, make a side note here. Oftentimes, I see insurance companies in different contexts, and we talked about this before, they'll send all your medical records to one of their doctors, to one of their doctors to review. Uh, the doctor will never even see you. They'll do what's called a paper review. And based on that paper review, they'll tell the insurance company, no, this person should be able to go back or try to go back to work. They'll ignore everything that the treating physicians are saying. And the insurance company then, you know, takes hold of that position. They seize that position. They say, on the basis of that, we're going to cut you off if you don't try. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because I just read recently, uh, I think it was last week in the Toronto Star, WSIB, Workers' Comp, they're under fire now. I mean, I'm going to read you just a a heading I saw recently. WSIB stands by use of paper doctors after calls for ombudsman probe. So they've been criticized significantly where people have been injured uh, at work. And and WSIB is forcing people to, to, they're cutting them off or forcing them to go back to work based on these paper reviews, meaning based on these shadow no doctors. No, no physical examination, nice. no discussion, just reviewing the papers. And, and it's being, you know, a, a lot of criticism is being leveled at them. So, so Brent, in your case, uh, given the fact that your oncologist says you cannot go back to work, uh, you don't feel you can. I understand the issue of mitigation. I've talked about this a lot. You've heard me talk about it. Mitigation doesn't trump your health. Mitigation, meaning you trying to get back on your feet, the idea is that you try to lessen your damages. You're trying to show that you are trying to get better. But that's not at the expense of your health. And don't do it if you think or if your doctors think, then it's going to hurt you and it's going to harm you in the long term or, or in the short term for that matter. So my advice to you is you put it in writing to them via email to the adjuster. No, I'm not going back. I'm not ready. My oncologist says I'm not ready. Here's a letter from my oncologist. And if they give you any problems, you call me immediately or email me and I'll deal with them. Doesn't the, uh, in, in all cases, generally the oncologist or doctor for that point, doesn't that trumble? If they say you can't go back, then it's the doctor's word. Well, that's, uh, in my mind, it should. It should, you know, but again, it depends on the doctor. It depends on their specialty. Sometimes you have doctors who provide a report, literally a one-liner. This person cannot work. Well, that's useless. What does that mean? Appreciate it. I mean, listen, if somebody is is going through remission after cancer, then clearly you understand why they can't go back. But the more detail the doctor provides, the, the more meat there is to the argument that, you know, this person is just not ready at this point. We're not saying this person can't go ever. We're just saying right now this person can't go back to work, so lay off. And the problem is, John, is a lot of times, you know, somebody's battling an illness like this, they have so much pressure, not just from a health standpoint, probably family is, is you know, there's a lot of pressure on the family. There's uh, uh, monetary issues at home because the person can't work, they're on disability. So to add to all that stress, the insurance company is just making it worse, yeah. right? So I, usually it, when, when this happens, I'm not nice with the insurance company. 
Remember I said before, yep. don't be confrontational. I'm, I'm not confrontational with them when I engage them on a discussion like this. I simply say, here's the, sh- here's the situation. Here's what the doctor is saying. Here's what's going to happen, period. You don't do it. Here's what's going to happen next. You're going right. to get a claim on your desk the next day, and then you're going to have to respond. Right. So don't, 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 don't even think about cutting this person off. Talk about long-term disability. We'll get into this one before we take a break. You spoke in the past about physical disability versus mental or psychological disability. What are the what are the reasons why mental illness disability claims are denied, and, and what do you do about it? Well, remember we talked about perception just yep. a few minutes ago. So there's a perception out there that if you know you're claiming that your disability stems from a, a mental disorder or perhaps there are psychological issues, depression, all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's just, you know, it's just an excuse. You just can't don't want to work. You can't put a band-aid on it, right? Right, yeah. right. There is this perception or a bias, uh, you know, that insurance companies uh, just, just don't believe you because they can't necessarily measure it. They can't see it. And frankly, anybody can claim that they're depressed, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, there's various ways uh, to to uh, deal with it, uh, prove it, so to speak, quote unquote. And, and, you know, some of the reasons why people get cut off or denied uh, when they're claiming a disability from a mental illness or a mental disorder uh, is because they're not receiving regular care from a family doctor, for example. Um, I usually tell people, listen, just make sure that you go consistently to the doctor. Make sure that the doctor is updated. Remember, we talked about medical documentation. The insurance company is going to be requesting medical documents. If you're saying you're disabled, you have all these issues, and you haven't seen any doctor or any therapist or anybody for a year, what, how does that look? Yeah. Talk about perception, right? Can't blame the insurance company at that point. Well, exactly. Absolutely. If, if your doctor suggests that you get certain medications, get those medications. Um, I understand some people don't like to take medications. Sometimes they have uh, either allergies or they have, uh, you know, they just, they affect them in an adverse way. Then make sure it's documented. Make sure that there are alternatives. You know, don't just sit there and assume that by not going and not doing enough following any recommendations that that's going to help you. It's not. It's going to hurt your case because the perception born from that is that you're not trying to mitigate. You are the author of your own misfortune, and we simply don't have medical documentation to prove your disability. Uh, go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Get a referral to them. Okay. If you're saying that you have a psychological issue or, or, or a, a psychiatric issue your family doctor is probably not equipped to deal with those issues, right? That's why you have psychologists, therapists, psychiatrists. Uh, These specialists are the gold standard for these kinds of claims. And if you are arguing a psychological disorder and you haven't been to a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist or anyone like that in that field, it makes it look as though it's it's suspicious. The perception is that it's not that serious. Well, yeah, exactly. Listen, you have two claims... Both people saying we have very severe depression. One person has been seeing a psychologist consistently. The other person hasn't seen a psychologist ever. Both people are saying it's been ongoing for two years. Who are you going to believe? The person who's been seeking help from a psychologist or a psychiatrist for the last two years or the person who hasn't? Perception, right? So, you know, there's a lot of more of these kinds of, of, of things, but very, very important to control the perception. 416-216-5910 is that number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and also go to mydisabilityquestions.com and check out the drop-down menu. Maybe your questions, if you haven't answered on the show, will be asked and answered on that website. Have a look when you got a uh, spare moment, which could be now. We'll take a short break and lots more of the insurance and injury law show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to uh, an email as we roll on into our last few minutes of the show here today. Jennifer from Branton writes in, says, I tripped on a pothole in a plaza parking lot last August. 
It's about three inches deep. My son went and took pic- uh, photos of the uh, of the hole the same day. I broke my ankle in three places and had surgery. I have difficulty walking. I've been trying to deal with the insurance adjuster for the plaza. He keeps just asking for more and more and more documents. He's um, almost never returns my calls and emails, and I feel like nothing is happening. What do I got to do? Well, very little is happening, Jennifer, clearly. Don't forget, these adjusters deal with a ton of claims. Uh, and usually when um, when you have an incident like this and, and you contact uh, the owner or whoever it is for the property and they flip it over to their insurance company, uh, those insurance companies then assign field adjusters. Sometimes they use a secondary company. Um, again, those uh, companies have field adjusters. All Their whole job is to basically investigate the claim, get any witness reports, uh, statements, uh, you know, take photographs of the area, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So let me tell you this. First of all, if you're saying that the pothole was about three inches deep, in my mind, that would constitute negligence. Generally speaking, when you have a differential in height, whether it's between uh, concrete slabs of, uh, of sidewalk. a sidewalk, yep. or anything, when it's usually more than about an inch and a half in height, that creates a danger. And of course, we look at other factors too. How frequently is this area being trafficked? Yeah. Is it like downtown Toronto or is it somewhere in the, the suburbs? Area in the middle of nowhere, exactly. Yeah. It, there's a lot of, of, of considerations. But, you know, my point is you did the right thing. Your son, you t- told your son, you asked him to go and take photos. Fantastic. So you have those. Very serious injury. You know, broke your ankle, had surgery. Uh, you can go to the uh, injurycutler.ca. It'll yeah. tell you exactly how much you could be getting potentially uh, or, being, or, or you're owed. Now, you're saying you've been dealing with the insurance adjuster. So here's the deal. I almost never deal with insurance adjusters. Why? And I'm, I'm not, it's not because they're bad people. I said before, a lot of them are my friends. I used to work in that industry. It's because they don't have the authority or the necessary authority in most cases that I have dealt with to resolve the claim. Oftentimes, you need to go to a lawyer when you have an injury that's that serious, like a fracture, like a tear, or a chronic pain that's not going away, that's affecting your ability to earn income. You should go to a lawyer who knows what he or she is doing, start a claim. Why? Because once you start a claim, the clock starts running. The adjuster, you know, suddenly the adjuster has deadlines. Suddenly the adjuster has to explain to the company what's happening with the claim. What, what is my investigation showing? Are we at fault? Or are we not? Well, you know, what's the assessment of the, the, the injuries? Right. How, how much should we reserve in order to pay out at the end? If that hasn't been done, they're going to drag it and drag it and drag it. And of course, I don't know, Jennifer, if you're aware of it, but you have a two-year limitation period here, right? I mean, you have to make sure that you start your claim within two years. Oftentimes, when these things get dragged on and dragged on, you're going to have some people who are going to miss that limitation period altogether. Yeah, she's almost a year in already. Almost a year, exactly. So you don't, you have, let's say, about a year or some more. Now, you're saying the adjuster keeps asking for more and more documents. Oftentimes, John, the adjusters will actually ask you to sign uh, authorizations, allowing them access directly to all your medical records. Mm. Now, I said before, listen, if you're starting a claim for compensation for injuries, be prepared uh, to, to provide some medical documents. But that doesn't mean that you give them a blanket authorization to go yeah. digging to go through nuts. it. Yeah, no, absolutely not. You have to avoid that, 100%. You only give the, give the insurance companies as much as they are legally entitled to get. And again, that's it's absolutely crucial because the more information you give them, the more rope you give them to hang you with if they need to. Yep. Uh, so, you know, you're asking me what you should be doing. You should be contacting me. Let us deal with this adjuster. We're probably going to start a claim very quickly. And I guarantee you that this claim would get resolved fairly quickly. It seems like you're already almost a year or so post-incident. 
Uh, I'd like to get some more information about uh, the, the status of, of, of your ankle, how it's, it's healed, uh, if it's affected your ability to work, to earn income, things around the home. You know, just understand more uh, from a contextual standpoint how your life has been disrupted. And then we will deal with the insurance company, but we'll deal with them in a way where they have to return our calls right. because there is going to be a claim pending. They can't just simply ignore We'll wrap up the last minute or two here, pal. With uh, We'll go through the injury calculator one more time for people before we close it out. All right. So check out this tool. If you or somebody you know has been injured in an accident and it's somebody else's fault, it takes you 20, 25 seconds to go through it. You just put in where you were injured, uh, the city. Uh, you're not putting in your name or your phone number. You're telling the calculator what type of injury you suffered. And at the end, when you go through the, the various uh, pages there, again, 20 seconds or so it's going to take you. It's going to tell you, here's how much you could potentially be looking at in terms of what's owed to you for compensation, for pain and suffering. And if you want a more in-depth consultation, by all means, contact me. There's going to be a button there. You click it. It's going to send an email to me directly, and I'll be in touch with you. Uh, Amazing tool, John. We've had literally thousands of people uh, go on to it. We can see how many people have gone on to it. I just can't. There's no way for me to know who has gone on to it unless they've contacted me. Exactly. So, you know, it's anonymous. It's free. There's nothing like it in Canada as far as I know. If you didn't have your question answered today through email or through just discussion, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com as well. There's a drop-down menu. Chances are your question's already been asked and answered. If not, you can ask it, and Savan will get to it or one of his team uh, very shortly thereafter with an answer again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Until next time, this has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show, 416-216-5910. This is Savan's direct number right here on Talk Radio, AM 640.